Welcome to the Sleep by Shay podcast. I'm Shay Morrison, sleep expert and co-founder of The Goodnight Co. Join me each week for hints and tips on all things sleep and follow me on Instagram at Shay Morrison. Hello and welcome back to the Sleep by Shay podcast. Coffee is one of our absolute favorite and most requested topics when it comes to sleep. Everyone loves their morning caffeine hit. And when it comes to changing our behavior to improve our sleep, coffee is one of the things our listeners just can't give up in their routine. I'd love you to welcome our special guest today, Emily, who is a qualified dietitian for the Banyans. This is part of our Banyan series that we've been rolling out over the last couple of weeks. And Emily is going to do a deep dive into caffeine and its effects on sleep. Emily is passionate about removing barriers to good nutrition and working with her patients to understand how nutrition can play its part in reducing symptoms and improving overall health. We are really lucky to have her on today to do the same for us and our sleep. Today, Emily and I talk about why caffeine affects everyone uniquely, the benefits versus the cost to our sleep and energy, and the worst habits we're guilty of when it comes to drinking caffeine. She's also going to give us some practical tips to consume caffeine while minimizing the effects on our sleep and health. So the great news is, is that you don't need to give up coffee straight away, but maybe just have a little think about your relationship with caffeine and when you're drinking it throughout the day. Hi, Emily, and welcome uh, to Sleep by Shay. It's so great to have you here. And just before the show started, we were talking, and I love the way you described that there are lots of practitioners out there that can help people with sleep. And really what you specialize in is to help people because it's all around what they're putting into their mouth. So as a dietitian, you know, it really does come down to that, doesn't it? About helping people understand what they're putting into their mouth and how that might affect other problems or concerns that are going on. So welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Shay. And um, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I do. I talk about, you know, how the different things that people put in their mouth might affect their body. And today we're talking about sleep. So I'm excited. And to narrow it down, while I'm really excited as well, is to to focus on one key topic that gets brought up all the time, and I know it does for you as well, is caffeine. And, you know, I think also a lot of people, when they think of caffeine, they think generally just about coffee. But Mm -hmm. as I'm sure you're going to cover off with us, is that caffeine is broader than just coffee. And I'm really looking forward to chatting and diving a bit deeper into helping people understand what caffeine is doing and and it's not evil it's not it's not all evil it's just really understanding it a little bit more and but it certainly is playing a very big role in um, the lives of people when it comes to sleep so on that topic I'd love to also know how did you sleep last night yeah, thanks for asking. I I actually slept quite well last night and it was one of my better sleeps in quite a long time. So I'm glad Great. that you're asking me today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not all perfect and all of us have troubles. Last I to be honest, I didn't have a great sleep last night and I think often for me it is a Sunday night that definitely um, I feel is a bit trickier and um, I got woken up a few times and then it rained and I got woken up again and and I had to wake up at five so I kept thinking am I going to miss my alarm and so it's it's a tough one isn't it I'm sure that you get that all the time with with a lot of the patients and people that you're talking to. 
Oh, absolutely. I have to say I was waking up a little bit last night because it's, it's, you're right, it's a Sunday night, you're thinking about work on a Monday. um, And that really, it gets in the way. And um, I'm quite an anxious person, I get quite worried about things. And especially, you know, patients that I'm caring for. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, um, you know, I should probably get some input from a psychologist about how to improve that in the context of sleep, shouldn't I? Oh, well, as long as it's only limited to one night, I think then you're doing pretty well. Um, it's when it becomes a, a bigger problem, is it? I guess when you need to start looking into it. But really, what I'd love to um, to start diving into is um, this topic of caffeine. And what I'd love to know as well is, do you are you a coffee drinker? Do you consume caffeine? I am. I love my morning coffee. I um, I try to stick to a maximum of two coffees a day. Um, but it is, it's a part of my routine. I love where I work. We've got a cafe downstairs and, um, the cafe staff are so beautiful. They write a little message on the top of the coffee cup for me. So it's just a part of, yeah, it's just a part of my routine. And, you know, if it's not a work day, walking to the coffee shop with my partner is, you know, something that brings me a lot of joy. So I get a lot of joy out of my daily cup of coffee. (laughs) And it is. And I completely agree with you. And being um, somebody who doesn't drink coffee anymore, I certainly miss it from that perspective. I sometimes I really feel like I'm missing out on, you know, what everybody else is enjoying so much. And I think you're right. I think that this is where it has become so much a part of our culture. Um, And it's that experience and ritual and routine that happens. And, um, you know, which is fabulous. But I guess why we're here today is to really unpack and understand a little bit about, you know, what are the effects that caffeine are having on people um, in both a positive and negative way, because there are certainly lots of positives as well. And how does it affect people differently? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to caffeine, it definitely does affect everybody differently. And what that comes down to is a couple of things. Um, But number one, and I think the most important is our genetic variations. So there are specific um, genes, and I can't list off the the name of them to you off the top of my head. (laughs) But there are, yeah, there are specific genes that we have identified or scientists have identified um, to I guess, change the way that we respond to caffeine and the way that our bodies respond to consuming caffeine. Um, So it's it's a really interesting area. Um, But beyond that, you know, beyond the genetic variation, we've got just the built-up tolerance um, and what caffeine is being consumed with, whether it's, you know, coffee or um, something like an an energy drink, um, you know, tea, all those kinds of things. So, yeah, there's – yeah, absolutely – there's yeah. a fair bit to it. Yeah. When people are coming to talk to you, what are they, um, what are you finding is happening? So, you know, we spoke earlier and, and you mentioned that you talk to a lot of people about sleep um, and it is a key area of concern. Um, and so when you're talking to them about caffeine, what are you finding um, is playing out and what, what do you, what do you know are some of the problems that can be associated with having too much caffeine um, and sleep? Mm, yeah, so I'm not sure, um, Shay, if your listeners know, but I work mostly in the mental health space. Um, and so looking at the way that people are consuming caffeine and how it's affecting different systems of their body is really, really important. So I find that a lot of people don't realize that 
caffeine can affect their sleep. I know that sounds. I know. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And people don't realize that it's in other things. So for example, I'll have people who are having a nice, uh, relaxing quote unquote, um, cup of green tea before bed, Mm. um, or people who are drinking their, you know, fizzy drinks like Coke before bed. And then they're having trouble not only getting to sleep, but staying asleep yeah. um, because as as you may know caffeine is actually a diuretic and so it makes mm. you need to to wee yeah. and when people are having it a lot before bed not only are they getting that stimulant effect where it's interrupting their ability to calm down their central nervous system and actually fall asleep but then they're having to wake up to go to the toilet as well yeah. um, so you've kind of got a bit of a, a true wrong approach there where it's it's making it difficult at every angle Often we talk to people here at the Goodnight Co about there, there's nothing wrong with having coffee or having some caffeine, but really understanding what's happening when you're consuming it and how long it takes for it to excrete out of the system. So maybe you can explain a little bit more about what happens um, with that. So um, I mentioned before, you've got these genetic variations, and I'd just like to give you a bit more information about that. So some people, um, depending on the variation that they have, there are people who we consider to be non-responders, uh, meaning that caffeine has very little or even no effect on them. It blows my mind that those people exist, but good for them. I know a few um, of those people. I do know a few of those people. <laughs> do you? I see it with clients and I'm, I'm always at a bit of a loss because I'm like, oh, I still don't like the idea, but okay. Yeah. Uh, but then we've got people who respond normally or appropriately, whatever you want to call it, um, to caffeine in that they can have a little bit and it's okay. Um, and as long as they're timing it correctly and eating properly around it, they're fine. And then you've got the people who are very much affected by caffeine mm. and even a little bit can have a really, really significant effect on their health and how they feel day to day. So what those people might experience or people who are normal responders but perhaps have too much, um, they can get increased heart rate, um, an increase in their anxiety. Obviously, they're going to get that disturbed sleep because it does, um, like I mentioned before, it actually activates or makes it more difficult to calm down your central nervous system. Um, And it can also cause them to wee a lot and also some gut disturbances because it does increase the um, motility of the muscles in your gut. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why people sometimes get diarrhea when Mm. they have too much caffeine or if they're somebody who responds really significantly to caffeine. I, I think that it's it's just highlighting what are some of the things that can happen if you, you know, if you're not sure about what's going on with this connection between um, having too much caffeine and sleep and how long it takes for it to exit the body. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So the half-life of caffeine is actually around five hours. Yeah. So what that means is that after five hours in the average person, we would expect half of the caffeine that you consumed to be out of your body. That actually does vary though in studies from 1.5 hours, so one and a half hours to nine and a half hours. So that just goes to show how different it can be with different people. Um, And the advice that I give based on that is, you know, you want to wait at least five hours before you try to go to sleep 
but ideally longer. I would even double that um, so that you're not having those effects of increased anxiety, increased heart rate, um, activated central nervous system that are going to make it harder to get to sleep and stay asleep. What we try and talk about here is that in the morning, if you can also delay having your coffee as your first first drink, um, it can be great. So it's just allowing yourself a little bit more time. And I think that if you delay your first coffee and, you know, maybe until nine or 10 o'clock, it also could potentially help from reducing the amount of coffee you you have as well. Um, and I think that it's giving that the, the body time enough to allow to kind of warm up to the day almost without getting that instant hit that's getting, you know, cortisol levels arising and you are getting your nervous systems kind of amping up a little bit and, you know, you, you might get the jitters and, and, you know, you've got that extra bit of energy. But if you can delay that a little bit more and rely on our natural circadian rhythm, then I think that there's some great benefits that could happen from that as well. Absolutely. And the other benefit that you get there is people – um, eating hopefully yes. before they have their first cup of coffee yes. um, and there's there's some varying evidence around um, having food before you have your first cup of coffee or your first hit of caffeine for the day um, but at the end of the day I'm a big believer in if you can just do it because better safe than sorry so if you can have your brekkie or something substantial to eat before you do have any I'm a big fan of that yeah. And, and I think limiting it. So it's kind of looking at, okay, well, limiting it to maybe nine, nine o'clock. So nine in the morning, you know, to maybe two, 2 p.m. latest. And it's sort of in line with what you're saying around then having that maybe 10 hour gap in between your last coffee and sleep. And I, I really believe that um, if people were to give it a go, so if they are struggling and they were to, and they were to take that on board, that they would really have noticed some significant changes in their sleep. Oh, absolutely. You don't know until you try. Um, and what I say to clients is give it a go. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else, but at yeah. least give it a go. Yeah. Let's try the things that we know work for a lot of people. We'll see see where to from there. And don't you think um, when it comes to that, Emily, it's, um, you know, giving it a try you can't just give it a try for one day, um, oh, unfortunately. No. <laughs> you need to, you know, I think a lot of people sort of say to us, oh, I, I tried that and I, I tried it once and it didn't work. But I think when it comes to making these lifestyle changes, which are fairly significant, um, you need to probably allow maybe 21 days, three weeks, four weeks. Um, you know, you might see some changes earlier, but in order to really allow the body to fully, you know, take on those advantages, you need a bit more time. Yeah. Well, you mentioned before as well your circadian rhythms and how you want to make sure that you're, I guess, giving those an opportunity to work the way that they should. I don't really know how else to phrase that. Um, yeah. But that's not going to happen overnight. If you were previously having coffee at a time when you should be winding down, um, calming all of those body systems down and you get rid of it you're going to have a bit of a withdrawal. It's going to take a little while for your body to readjust and to, to see what's going on. Our bodies are smart, but they take a little bit of time to realise that this isn't a one-off, this is the new normal. Um, and, and so you've got to give it a chance to work properly. On that, what have you seen to be like, you know, when people come to see you, what has been the worst scenario that you've seen in terms of how many cups a day people are consuming of caffeine? <laughs> um, I actually, I was having to think about this a little bit because I 
didn't want to um, throw anyone under the bus if they were listening. <laughs> yes. um, but there's there's probably two kind of worst habits or things that I get a little bit stressed about. So I did have one client who was having about eight cups of coffee a day. Wow. Yeah, which is a lot, but might not be too shocking until you find out that that person actually did some DNA testing and found out that um, they were a super responder, I'm not sure what the term Mm, is, to caffeine. Um, And they had been experiencing horrible sleep disturbances. We'd got them to a place where they actually were able to sleep a little bit with some support. Um, But, you know, having that conversation when that DNA test came back of you, you just have to stop. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, that was a difficult one to have and probably a frustrating Absolutely. one for the client. Yeah. The other thing, and I'm there's not many things that I go, oh, don't have that. I'm not a fan at all, but energy drinks. Yeah. There's just nothing good about them with, you know, twice as much um, caffeine as, as what a coffee has and then sugar and artificial sweeteners. I just can't get behind them. And what I find with people that are having a lot of caffeine across the day, although caffeine has a short, um, a short term side effect of increasing appetite, it then becomes an appetite depressant after that initial short period. Mm. And so, you know, eight cups of coffee or five energy drinks and no food. That's what I see. And that's what I think is probably one of the worst habits to, to get into with caffeine. I can't tell you how many times I drive to work in the morning and I see all ages of people but particularly young people in school uniforms um, drinking energy drinks on the way to school. Yeah. And I guess on that topic um, I think as well you, not only are people consuming in the morning, um, you know, maybe they don't like coffee so they're having a one of those energy drinks instead but often it happens in the afternoon. So we get to this 3 p.m. slump so when you're in that work environment and even maybe if you're not in the work environment, if you're um, a stay-at-home mom and, you know, you, you just get that that slump which is, again, tied back to the circadian rhythm and how our body clock works. Rather than reaching for um, that the caffeine, so an extra cup of coffee later in the afternoon or an energy drink or some chocolate, um, what are some suggestions that you would make to, for people to to get over that slump? Yeah, yeah. I am a big fan of always looking at the the biochemistry and the biology and the science behind these kinds of things. And a lot of the time we are experiencing that slump because we have gone through the digestion period of our lunch, our blood glucose levels might drop a little bit, um, and we need to get them back up. But we don't want to boost them all the way up because that can cause a bit of an energy high, which we also don't want. So it's always a a low GI carbohydrate snack that I suggest in the afternoon. So first step is making sure people get enough carbohydrates in their lunch, but then having a look at something like, um, you know, whole grain rice cakes with peanut butter, fruit with cheese, something like that. An excellent recipe that I made the other day, which I'm loving, is, um, well, I'm I'm hoping that you will think it is as good, Um, (laughs) uh, dates. So it's just this little recipe that you mix, um, mash some banana and some peanut Mm -hmm. paste, some peanut butter, um, and then stuff a date, so a pitted date, Uh, and then just drizzle. So you can either have it just like that, or if you wanted that little bit of extra indulgence, then drizzle a little bit of melted dark chocolate over the top and a bit of sea salt and, and put in the fridge, you know, it's so yeah. satisfying and it sort of ticks all the boxes um, totally, for, for what yeah. you're talking about. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got some carbohydrates from the the banana and the date, but then you've got that peanut butter, which is going to add some fat and that just slows down the digestion and it, it allows it to lower the glycemic load, which means that it's going to give you a more sustained energy release until dinner time. So that's perfect. Yeah. And if you look, if you can't get as, as uh, into all of that and dates are not your thing, I think that also what you were talking about is is even just the, you know, some apple and a, and a piece of cheese or the yes. whole grain um, rice cakes, the peanut butter, a yeah. bit of sliced green apple, um, handful of nuts, that type Perfect. of thing I think would be would be excellent as well. Absolutely. Yes, yes. I'm a fan of simple because I'm, I'm particularly lazy when it comes to making food, believe it or <laughs> not. Um, so I like it to be really quick and not require a lot of thought. Yeah, fabulous. And so... If there is some, um, you know, if people are listening and thinking, oh, you know, maybe I am drinking one too many cups of coffee a day or I'm just having too much or I would really like to stop, you know, snacking on the the chocolate at 3 p.m. and and whatnot, what are some suggestions that you can make? So what what sort of, I I know it's personalised and everybody is different, but what's the ideal when it does come to caffeine? I believe that people should just be having kind of one caffeinated thing a day. That's, and I I know that might be a bit strict for some people. (laughs) I'm sure that a lot of people will find that really difficult. Yeah. But it's it's a process of eliminating. Is that what you would suggest as well? Absolutely. So what I have done, because I, like I said, I am a coffee drinker. It's a moment in my day that I really relish and enjoy, and I'm not willing to give that moment up. But there are times when I kind of let some other things sneak in. It happens. You don't really notice it. Yep. Um, but what I try and do is is swap things. So rather than just going cold turkey, I try and slowly decrease and swap. So swapping to decaf coffee for me is really helpful. There is still some mm-hmm. caffeine in it. So it's not the ultimate goal, but it's better. I also made a real effort recently to go and find some decaffeinated chai tea um, that I then then mix with chamomile tea, they're loose leaf. And so you yeah. still get that experience of sitting down and having a hot drink and, um, you know, those kinds of, it's those impulses and those, those processes yeah. that you go through. So if you just swap them for something that's a little bit um, better for you or better for your goals, then I'm all for that. So that's, that's how I personally approach it. Um, I do have clients who are perfectionists and want to prove that they can go cold turkey and I love that for them Um, but I think that swapping is much more realistic um, long term for most of us. Absolutely and there's so many beautiful herbal teas around I love the um, the the pucker range um, which you can now get in Coles maybe Woolies as well Um, and it's not the full range but there's some beautiful teas in there the the relax is my favorite so in the afternoon um, you know there is just so many different things that you can take that are as much as I do love coffee, and I, I no longer drink it, I do love to make a, a turmeric latte, which I'm sure a lot of people will screw their nose up. But if you are looking for that, as you say, it's that um, the ritual part of it, it's the warm drink, um, you know, there are some alternatives that you can introduce that, that don't include caffeine. Absolutely. You've just got to be careful of those black and green teas um, because I think people don't realise that there is caffeine in them. Yeah. Um, 
a, a little handy tip that I actually have found really helpful recently um, is a lot of the tea websites. Um, and I don't know, Shay, you can edit this out later if it's too mm-hmm. much um, of a name drop. I obviously don't work with them or anything, but yeah. um, T2 actually have a function on their website where you can look for specifically decaffeinated ah, teas, yeah. which sometimes you just don't know. You just don't yeah. know. There's a lot yeah. to know out there and a, a tool like that I think is really helpful so that you can just filter and then you know what you're looking at. So yeah. um, that was something that I personally found really helpful in my attempt to drink less coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. And so are there any, um, just lastly, Emily, are there any other tips that you can recommend for people? Because I, I know it is a really big topic um, and people do struggle with it. Is there anything else that you recommend that people could take on board if they're looking to to, to reduce the amount of caffeine they're consuming? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing that I would say, and I know that um, I've been so chatty, we didn't really get to it, is that there are some benefits to caffeine. Oh, yes, um, please do. To, yes, tell us. There, there's a couple of things that um, I did look into some of the evidence, especially before um, this conversation that is worth keeping in mind, and they are particularly around um, coffee, um, but caffeine in general can help to stimulate production of gastric acid. So it's going to help a little bit with some of your digestion. Um, I mentioned before that it increases your gut motility. So if you know if you felt like things weren't moving quickly enough, it is a strategy that could be used there. There's actually some really good evidence around coffee and it actually increasing the um, colonies of positive gut bacteria um, in your in your bowel and in your stomach. So that's something that's definitely worth keeping in mind. It also has lots of antioxidants and polyphenols and anti-inflammatory compounds. Um, so there is quite a few, I suppose, nutritional benefits um, when you're looking into the, the real specifics there, um, like I said, particularly with coffee. Um, but it's going to have some long-term effects where um, there is actually a really a really strong link between coffee and a reduction in cancer risk and things like that that are worth keeping in mind. Um, so I guess that that links back to me saying, you know, don't feel like it's all lost. <laughs> absolutely. And enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even if it wasn't good for you, not everything that you do has to be good for you. So yeah. I'm a firm believer in in that routine and that ritual that you were talking about before. So um, don't feel like all is lost. But if you are a, a coffee drinker, a caffeine drinker, um, try and stick with some consistent intake um, mm. so that it's not changing too much day to day. That's going to be one of your best strategies to keep your sleep on track. Um, absolutely. Between that kind of nine or 10 to two time. I even say 12, try and finish by 12, yeah. but yeah. Um, you know, it depends I like on what time you're going to bed. Yeah, it does. It does. And I'm an early to bed person. So yeah, that's, that's definitely one of my biggest tips. And then don't neglect your food and your water. So people yeah. are often having caffeine to try and stop them from, from eating. That's something that I see quite a bit yeah. or in place of food, um, whether that's energy drinks or coffee or whatever um, or tea. Um, and it's a bit of a habit, I think, that we get from parents as well where they would sit mm. down and have a cup of coffee but nothing else with it. Yeah. Um, so don't neglect your food and don't neglect your water. Um, I tell people that their coffee intake and tea intake doesn't count towards their total water intake for the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, to try and, you know, get that water intake up there. But at the end of the day, nutrition and food and water is really important for sleep as well. And just cutting down your caffeine isn't going to um, fix everything. 
Um, and so from my perspective as a dietitian, you want to make sure that you're still eating and drinking properly to make sure that you get the best sleep you can. Mm, I love both of those points. And I think going back to your first point about consistency around consuming caffeine is so in line with everything we talk about for sleep. Um, and you, you really um, hit the nail on the head with that one because consistency with sleep, first and foremost, is is the first step. And then consistency with when you are consuming caffeine is also another great way to think about it. So I think that that's a really, really important reminder. So just like we're encouraging all the time that you have a a wake schedule and a a bedtime schedule, really think about what your coffee or caffeine schedule looks like as well within that. Absolutely. And I also really agree about the nutritional element and not neglecting food and water um, and making sure that you're not replacing meals with caffeine because I think that that's you're so right that we do look at what our parents have done previously and um, and that's often what what has happened so rather than sitting down and having even if it's the snack element at morning tea or you know whatever so it, it really depends on each individual personally but I think that they're two really great points well thank you I think so too <laughs> yeah good. and, and- let me tell you, Shay, my, my husband is a um, a shift worker and so getting that consistency with um, yeah. with my night routine and my morning routine at the moment is impossible and I am just desperate for that time when I still try, I do my best, but yeah. I'm desperate for that time when it can be normal again in the future hopefully and um, I can because that's something I tell people all the time as well, that the routine is so, so important. And we, we go through some strategies on how to do that. Um, you'd probably know much, much more than I do, but it's um, it's just so important. And I can't wait for the day that I can hopefully nail that a little Get bit back better. Into it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, it's one of the, you know, the most important, I think. But I, I think that as long as we're not beating ourselves up about it all and that we're striving to do as much of it as possible, if we, I guess if we get 80% there, I always think that's pretty good because it's pretty hard to achieve 100% of really good sleep. Um, I, I think that there are so many other factors going on in people's lives. But as long as you are prioritising it, then um, you're halfway there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Emily. It was great to to dive a bit deeper into the, the big topic of caffeine. I love chatting with you and thanks for all your helpful information. And um, we wish you the, uh, the best of luck for the rest of the week and hopefully we'll get to chat again soon. Oh, thank you so much, Shay. I've really enjoyed it and I hope that some of the information could be useful to people and um, people can get some better sleep as a result. Thank you for listening to the Sleep by Shay podcast. If you're interested in learning more about our guests or any of the topics we've spoken about today, head on over to the show notes for all the details and sleep advice you need. If you like what you're hearing or are sleeping better, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and listen along with the Sleep by Shay podcast to wake up looking and feeling your very best every day. 